Inspiring talks with Web3 leaders. This is Inside the Clubhouse. GM, good sir. How are you? GM, GM. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, not the best, but didn't catch COVID, which is great. Uh, didn't get the the official pull up. Oh my god, I, I can't even imagine if you came back with uh, with that. That would have been that would have been tough. Um, not really sure how you dodged it. I know a few people have already come back with it, but it's. Uh, Seems to be less actually than, dude. When we all came back from um, from what you call it, Miami. Holy cow, it was bad. It was like everybody and their brother had it, um, and somehow we avoided it. So I, I felt really, really lucky um, to sidestep that. Yeah, I feel like the official pull out this year was getting your flight canceled um, from JFK. Or Newark. Yeah, Steve sat on the tarmac uh, for, I think, three hours, if I remember correctly, him saying, um, I don't have the full story yet, but I heard him talking about it in, uh, in Coffee's Captain. Um, I think that happened to quite a few people. Um, but yeah, Steve, I know you had that flight canceled as well. I, no, no, actually, so ours just got delayed. I think everything on uh, in New York was grounded, JFK, and anything going east was grounded. So JFK... Um, LaGuardia. So it was probably the nerdiest those two airports have ever been with all the people fleeing NFT NYC. But I um I don't know. I, I it, it was it was it was fine. It was a nice. I mentioned earlier I was on a plane with a bunch of Midwestern people going to Ohio, so everyone was just like kind and friendly and kind to the flight uh, staff. And then we got back on. Everybody was cool. So it was like pretty chill. And then I thought it would be very bumpy because the weather that we flew into looked gross, but. It was pretty smooth. Like, right on the ascent, it was a little bumpy. And then, like, we got to a cruising for a minute. It was a little bumpy. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is going to be Mr. Toad's wild ride. But it was not. It was good. So, it was nice. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't too bad. That's one of my, my biggest fears when I get on, on a flight is that that period of time that you know it's going to be choppy. Um, because and maybe I'm the only, I don't think I'm the only person that does this. Your mind just wanders, right? Like it's natural for it to do so. So it's like some of the worst fears like start going through your head and then it passes and, and um, you know, you feel much better. But I, I don't know if I'm the only one that goes through that. No, I mean, I, I'm like, I actually never had a fear of flying, by the way. Uh, Dallin Suarez, GM, thanks for showing up. Give us a, uh, a comment down in the box, a, a like, a retweet if you're feeling so generous. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, at least for me, I growing up was not the least bit afraid of flying. And now as I've gotten older, I for some reason, and I'm not afraid of flying, like I'm cool flying, but like turbulence bothers me more. And it didn't bother me when I was a kid. It didn't bother me in my 20s. And now in like my 30s and going into my 40s, turbulence has bothered me more. So that I, I don't know what that says about me or if it's my mortality or me getting older, but I'm similar, James. If I get a little bit too much turbulence, I'm like, is this, is this the one? Cause it's an outlier. Cause I, I've had flight, you know, flight staff be like, it's waves on an ocean. I'm like, it's not the same. Uh, not the same at all. Even though it's actually probably less scary because you go down in the water, you're in the middle of the water. You're fucked. If you go down on you know, like 90% of plane crashes or something or like the survival rates insane on them, unless you just like fall out of the sky. So anyway, that's neither here nor there, but uh, no, I just, I always worry a little bit. And I'm like, I just, you don't, nobody wants to be bumping around 30,000 feet in the air, I guess is the point. Um, that said, let's, um, I know I got to run in, uh, right before the end of three o'clock and I'm going to hand it off to James. So I'm going to start with some music to warm up the room again. Give us a like, give us a retweet, give us a GM down in the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, get some people in here for our man, Charles Coe. I'm going to start playing some music here and then we will get the sucker going. A new boy in the neighborhood Lives downstairs and it's understood He's there just to take good care of me Like he's one of the family Charles in charge of our days and our nights Charles in charge of our lives and our rights I see I want Charles in 
I mean, that's does it get a better warm up song than that? Um, I mean, I'm talking to Charles, I'm looking at Scott Bayo. Like, things are things are good. By the way, our Charles, even more handsome than Scott Bayo. And also, was it like, I want to say it was like, what did I notice when you had a pic? You had a picture with a bunch of people from the D Gods party, and I was like, the man has large hands. So, uh, fun fact about Charles. But, uh, thanks everyone for joining us. We will get this sucker started just as we, um, uh, as always, again, I'll say it one more time that I won't ask again. I am sneaking out the back door as we approach the three o'clock hour. James is going to take over the interview slot. Um, but give us a like, give us a retweet, give us a what's up down in the bottom right hand corner. Always helps people find the room. Always looking forward to these discussions and looking forward to this one. Uh, Charles is somebody who uh, I had the opportunity to meet through Clubhouse Archives, um, through the Key Society, and have since gotten to know him a little bit better. And he has an interesting background for sure uh knows a little bit about venture funding here and there as well as um you know some uh you know building some things of his own but that said charles how are you doing on this fine fine tuesday afternoon oh man so last year i got the official pull app got two lines for covid Um, but this year i didn't catch covid but i feel way worse so not sure what, what 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 i caught but uh, but hanging in there, this is uh, it's a very exciting day, a very exciting week. Um, yeah, it's th- this space in general just just moves so fast, but there's just so many opportunities. So regardless of how I feel, like physically, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good day. No, it's good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear you're feeling. Uh, you got a little bit of a uh, case of the sniffles under the weather. I think a lot of people left NFC with NFT NYC with that. I myself. Did not so maybe it was a D gods party thing because that was the only one I missed because uh, I uh, was out a little too late with the old Moonbirds team the night before. But um, you know, excited to uh, hear actually about your. I mean, I, I think James, if we don't get to it, I want to hear about actually maybe I, I will. I'm going to go a reverse order here because I had a whole order I was going to go in. But now that you mention NFT NYC, I got to ask about your NFT NYC experience. I want to get to your background. I want to get how you got in NFTs, but. It's top of mind. You're just coming off the week. What was your takeaway from NFT NYC? What were your favorite events? What excites you? What did you think sucked? I want to hear it all. Wow. Well, first off, yeah, NFT NYC literally is like the melting pot for for NFTs. Um, I, th- I think it's just one of the best ways for for people to get together and to kind of tap into you know what we call utility. Um, and you know, we, we spent so many days, hours, weeks, months, you know, hanging out on Twitter, but being able to meet people in person in IRL just changes the game. Um, you know, I think what I felt too, just from being in the space for two years is, you know, people want to help people. And, you know, when you meet people in IRL, it just changes the game. I think there's, um, degrees of, of relationship. There's degrees of kind of helping people and, um, you know, forging that IRL relationship just uh, takes it to the next level. Um, so, yeah, so I was there Tuesday. So I flew in Tuesday from Seattle, stayed till Sunday. Um, yeah, the first day is usually kind of, you know, chill. And then, you know, I'm a long term like doodles holder. So JKB had a huge, um, pretty awesome party. Uh, where was it at? Yeah, I don't even remember. It was down south somewhere. Um, I think it was like lower, lower midtown or, or something, but yeah, there was about, felt like there was about 300 people jammed in there. When it's New York, you can just say like lower mid <laughs> upper town Manhattan is where it was. And they'll just be like, that sounds right. Like nobody, most people don't know New York the way others do. So just, yeah, yeah. lower midtown sounds yeah. right. I, like I nod in my head. I'm like, he's probably right. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's so cool, but like, it's crazy. Cause I minted doodles yet. I'm at this party and you know, I'm like super active in the community. And I'm in there. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I don't recognize anybody. I probably recognize maybe like five people. But I, I think there's still that like thick wall of like, how do we how do we break down that wall? Like, how do we, you know, we hear this like bridging of the gaps and all this stuff. But I think it's still tough with like Twitter and like real relationships. I mean, yeah, there, like you can forge a relationship online. But again, like, how do we how do we like remove that wall? And it's like. 
we don't want to wait one year to remove that wall. So I think there needs to be an easier way. But anyway, so I was there, you know, drinking, dancing, you know, meeting the crew. Um, and then, yeah, I dipped after like probably about two hours and then went to bed. So that, that was night one. And then uh, day two, I don't know if you want like a play by play here, but yeah, so I'm working on a, a cool project that, you know, I'll, I'll double click here. Uh, but we had a, a pretty awesome, you know, breakfast and, you know, met, met with the team at ZTX. Um, and a couple other parties. Let's see. So the Clanosaurs. Did you get a chance to go there, Steve? I didn't get a chance to, but I heard good things. Damn, like they make they make dinosaurs cool. I mean, dinosaurs have always been cool, but they took it to the next level. It was a it was a rooftop party. Uh, let's see, west west of the island or west you know west of the state. Uh, but yeah, rooftop, and there the, the lines just wrapped around the block. And I think one of the cool things that Klanos, Klanosaurs is doing is really bringing in like physical things into the world. So they, they, they design these physical cards and within the, within the pack, kind of like Pokemon cards, you can like reveal like different types of like utility and like NFTs and allow lists and, and different prizes so even that, right, like, I think as humans, we just love to, like, touch and feel versus all just, like, you know, this, like, uh, you know, VR world or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was cool because it's, you know, in, in like, Web 2, you have, you know, you have, like, you're, like, I don't know, I haven't gone, like, clubbing in a long time. But you go out, maybe you see, like, a famous DJ, maybe you see your friends, you know, maybe you see some, like, influencers around town. And then you go to a Web3 party, like a, like a kick-ass one, and you see kind of these celebrities, right? Like you're like, oh, whoa, there's like K-Money over there, or hey, there's Thread Guy. So it's like culture, culture is the same, right? In terms of kind of how we, want, how we gravitate towards like energy and popularity and, you know, we all want to fit in. Um, but I thought that was a cool experience. I, I felt like the Clayton party had kind of like the who's who, um, which was dope. Yeah. But man, I wish you were there. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like it was it was good. And it's interesting because I think the other part about the sort of authentic people in this space, like I finally got a chance to meet Frank. Like Frank comes on my show, like, you know, from time to time when he hasn't gone to sleep yet. And it's like late in California or early in California, but like late, depending on how you look at it. And it's like you fortify those IRL connections. To me, that, to your point, is one of the really powerful things about Web3 that, still exist is that you know whether it's the k monies of the world or people you know it's like they're you know in the space with the rest of us and the ones that have legitimate sort of um you know the ones who are here for the quote-unquote right reasons which i know that sounds very like generic but the ones who here are here the ones who care like in in a bear market if they're here they're ready to um you know they're, they're ready to sort of like for like again not to be corny but ready to build right they're ready to hang out and have those conversations and they're still approachable. And I don't think this time will last forever where people like that are super approachable. You DM a founder, you might get a response. So I think it's a really good like takeaway. And it sounds like, was that sort of your main thing that you take away from sort of these sort of things, which is, Hey, like the IRL is fortified. It's exciting to start having these conversations with real people. Uh, or were there any other takeaways you had from there or your favorite? Like, let's do this. What was your favorite thing you did? And, and what's like one major key takeaway you have personally? Ooh. All right. So, I mean, I definitely have, okay. So my favorite event, definitely have to give it to D gods um, and dust labs. Like they freaking, I mean, yeah, they, they nailed it. There's obviously like little areas where you can always improve, but that's like part of like, you know, shooting for the moon, um, you know, the, the, the branding, um, just the, the, the surprise and delight with the welcome bags for the guests that stayed at the public hotel, um, you know, really being thoughtful in terms of the guest experience. I think that's like very important. And it's really hard because I think the space is limited by walls. Um, like, for example, you know, projects, companies are, are hosting these extravagant parties that are limited by the walls, right? So you could have like maybe fire code is like 200 people or 300 people. So how do we like expand that out? Um, and I thought something that was really dope was Frank 
like he was out like he knew because I was, I was talking with bobby and the team uh, now i can say this because you know you know this was uh pre-planned but you know they hosted like a non-official kind of party at the basketball uh, court right across from the public hotel because they knew that they couldn't have everybody there right they knew that not everybody could get in so they threw out like swag and you know they had drinks and you know frank was like shooting hoops and you know i think you know at the end of the day is it's like you you have to really care you have to really care about like your holders and your guests because you know i've been building startups for pretty much all my life and like you really have to think about like your super users and your power users and make them feel like all-stars because at the end of the day is they going to be your biggest microphone to attract like the rest. Right. Um, but yeah, so that was like my favorite. Um, let's see. Favorite moment. There, there are a few. Uh, like I went to this whale dinner with D gods um, and, you know, had a tequila shot with, with, uh, with Frank. And we're just like talking about life and just like the, just kind of the, the hard, um, hard truth of just like being ambitious and just like going after goals and dreams. Uh, you know, I was with K Money. He did the worm. <laughs> that was pretty dope. Uh, but, you know, I think it's not really like one moment. I think it's a, it's like everything. Um, and not being afraid to like being rejected. Like I started like messaging people. You know, some people didn't even like respond back on, on Twitter DMs. But, you know, I was fine with that. Uh, but like I connected with Illa, Illa the, the producer. Um, we met at the party and then, you know, we had breakfast the, the next day. So I think it's really about kind of like that human connection. Um, but it's like, man, how do we scale that faster? But yeah, I'll stop there. No, I think, I think it's a great takeaway. And that's something that I think, and here's the other thing that's crazy about you talk about the D God stuff that I think is interesting. And I think this is like known or whatever is like, I, they, they not only do they run a really good event and have some surprise and delights, but as I understand it, like, they made money on that event. And it's like for that to be like an event that actually turned into a profit center versus a, a loss. And I know a lot of people do sponsorships like that is, you know, some big brain thinking, I think from what they did. So I think it's really cool. Uh, glad you had a good, good time. And, and I, I've said to four to people like IRL is the alpha because you have the opportunity to meet with people and fortify those in-person relationships in a way that you never could otherwise. And, there's something to be said about, you I mean, you said it, you're like, took a tequila shot with Frank. It's like, that's, you know, think about like th- what that interaction you had with him and what, and, and the fact that he'll remember that and you'll bring it up next time you see each other. And it's like, that magic is something that I think is something that cannot be underestimated. So glad you had a good time. Glad you got yourself out there. Uh, glad that you, uh, you enjoyed New York just because, you know, again, like it's not, you know, always it could be could have been a good experience, could have been a bad experience. Sounds like it went extremely well for you. So happy to hear that. But um, I had to do that just because, like, as soon as you brought up NFT NYC, I'm like, we should get into this thing because, look, NFT NYC was for a lot of people, and it sounds like yourself, it was a movie. So that's awesome. So let's um let's get into your background though, because part of what makes Key Society cool is that we have these people who have a variety of different backgrounds, a variety of sort of histories. I want to know because you have a background in the venture world. Did that lead you directly into Web3 or are those two things bifurcated and you got into Web3 in spite of it? Because I've heard it go both ways. So I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think early in my career, so I've been in tech for about, I feel like 20 years now. Um, Started off at like Boeing and then, um, you know, got a job at at Google, uh, you know, scaling partnerships, marketing. Um. And then I got into the startup space because like when you work at big tech, like it's cool, but you're a little capped in terms of like not quite innovation. Like Google had, you know, is obviously like one of the most innovative companies in the world, but it you're kind of limited in a box. So, you know, for me, I wanted to kind of step out of the box and like fail and try some new things. So um, the first kind of kind of company um, that I started was was a, a networking company so it's called go mixers the whole idea because there was a gap in my like kind of my journey where i couldn't find a job for like for almost a year you know when like oh wait like crash i was like shit like i need to like, pay for my rent um so I, I actually became a concierge at my own apartment building making like seven bucks an hour 
And, you know, the people that, you know, I, I, I like check in and be, hey, can I get my package? And then it's like, I, I was the guy like handing packages to the Microsoft people and the Google people. And that was like a very humbling experience. But, um, but yeah, so that, that I think that like humbleness was like, okay, I'm just going like, to do my own startup. So, uh, yeah, just, so then I started this like networking company, right? Because I couldn't find a job. So it's okay. I'm just going to like build my own door. Um, so that, that became pretty successful. Did about like three events a month, you know, making like, you know, $2,000 a pop um, per event. And then that like really was, was the first like startup experience. And a mentor once told me is for you to become the ultimate connector, you got to, you got to connect or what, what is it for you to be the ultimate connector? You got to, you got to just like keep opening doors, right? Cause I think a lot of people, they hold on to those relationships because they don't like, you know, you're kind of like selfish, right? It's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to give, I don't want to make that intro. Cause I don't want other people to take my business. But his whole philosophy was you just like intro, intro, intro without expecting anything back. And then you become the ultimate connector. Anyways, this guy, he became one of the most successful real estate people in the world. Um, so then, you know, after that, got into the fashion space. And that's where like Clubhouse Archives um, like means really like means a lot to me and just like the innovation with Web3. Um, so, yeah, so created a... a uh, like a what is it? Sorry, I'm like, whew, I'm like winded right now. Um, so oh, you, the, the you, first... you 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 gotta get you're getting back into form after NFT NYC. I feel it. It's like it's like you're sick. You've been networking for a week. You're like yeah. mentally exhausted. You're getting back into form. I feel it exactly, exactly. So here, I'll I'll, I'll go more high level so I can get the words out. But yeah, so after that, got into the fashion space, um, and it was just like really just hustling. Um, you know, hooked up with these two dancers. They're twins. They had like a ton of street culture. And, you know, we we're doing like dancing videos. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, a good dancer, but they are. Um, so we started like shilling this out, building the brand. And they got into the creator economy and they became an investor. And then, um, you know, became a day trader. Got into crypto in about like 2016. Um, so just trading, you know, shit coins. And, um, you know, luckily I, had a big bag of like ETH and, and XRP, like hopefully knock on wood that that gets uh, unlocked. But, um, and then, yeah, they got into the whole NFT space. Uh, I'd say like crypto kitties. Um, I missed the board apes. I, I, you know, my whole story is I, I minted the, the derivatives. <laughs> I minted like 20 derivative apes that went to zero. Um, and then, yeah, they just fell in love with the space. And yeah, now, uh, you know, I've, I've consulted and advised for a number of different Web three projects, and yeah, now I'm uh, you know heading heading uh, marketing at ZTX. So, what yeah, you, you mentioned you mentioned you fell in love with the NFT space because first I was going to ask and and James put a button in this one in case I run on on time on this one. I was going to ask you what attracted you to the fashion space, but then you said I fell in love with the NFT space. And that's a very strong statement. Why did you fall in love with the NFT space? What was it? Because you've been in crypto, you've been in startups, you've been in tech, you've been in fashion. Why did you fall in love with the NFT space? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, I think uh, for me is, I, I studied engineering, but at the core, I feel like I've always been kind of like a creator, a creative. Um, you know, my mom, she graduated from like the art school in Chicago. Um, and I, you know, fell in love with photography and did that for like 10 plus years, became like a food writer. And so at the core, I love like the creative, the artistry and, and things like that. So the NFT space, how it kind of originally kind of kicked off was not really JPEGs uh, or what is it, pictures on, you know, shit coins, but it was more around the art. It was about creator empowerment. It was about like, you know, this is a way for artists to finally, like, you know, for finally for them to get paid for what they're worth and like everything that they that they've done. Because I've had so many friends that were quote unquote like starving artists, and I feel like NFTs uh, during its inception, it was changing the game with royalties and things like that. And and over time, it's really bifurcated 
the NFT space, which is like power traders who are more in it for kind of straight like financial. And then the other side, which is kind of the R. And then obviously there's that, that, that middle ground, right? It's like, okay, how do we get to that middle ground where you, you know, you're producing a lot of cool stuff, but also get paid for it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. And I, I, the other thing I, I noticed before I ask you, I'm going to ask you one more question, then I'll probably hand it off to James. But, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, photography, art, it's sort of the background there and, and what you do it. And you mentioned, again, you used the word love a couple of times, which I think is a really interesting word. Do you find yourself to be somebody who embraces passions? Like you, you get very passionate about things. Uh, not, I wouldn't say like easily, it's not like it's a disingenuous thing, but you find yourself, you know, the things you're into, you're really into. Is that, is that sort of your personality? Like you're a dive all in, fall in love with things? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I think it could go both ways too is, yeah, when I find something that I love, I'll put, you know, I'll put my whole body in um, and really give it a shot, like regardless if it goes to zero. And, you know, one of my kind of, you know, negatives and positives is I, I just hold like, I, I will hold it to the top and I'll hold it to the bottom. Um, you know, I, I held NFTs all the way to the top, all the way to the bottom, same with all, all the altcoins. Um but yeah, I think for me is really like, how can you realize your full potential or even um, like, how do you, how do you understand your full like worth if you don't, if you don't go all the way to the end, right? And sometimes the end could be finding success or failure. It's really like A or B. Um, but I think a lot of people just kind of go like halfway and then they never like discover themselves fully. I love that. I, and that's kind of how I actually see the world as well for what it's worth. I mean, to me, it's like, I, I, I agree with you that like, it, you know, I've worked on things that I've been good at quote unquote, that I like was miserable. And I feel like I didn't put my whole self into them. And then what I find is with things like tech, for example, like in this world, and I, I know you're very similar from a similar elk from the tech world. It's like, I'm more willing to put myself in where it feels, it feels less like work, even though it's work and it's hard and it's not easy. I'm more driven in a world that is um, less about um, me making money and just doing it to do it and more about doing things I love. And look, I make far less money in a lot of the ventures that I do now. And I, I explained to someone the other day, I have a friend, he's a tra he's done the same thing. He's a trainer at a gym. He's the smartest guy over me. He got into Purdue engineering as an undergrad. He's like brilliant, right? He almost got perfect in his SATs. He's a trainer at a gym at a CrossFit gym, because he's like, this is what I want to do, and it makes me happy. And so he got it when I was like, well, I work in Web3 because it makes me happy. I work more hours. I make less money. The taxes suck. is is very top of mind at the moment. And I'm more than happy, right? And so I think that that's interesting how you're, like, talking about sort of making sure you pair your – I think it's an interesting, like, wise learning that you're putting in there that you weave through is tying your passion into your – into what you do and – I'm going to leave you on this last question before I hand you off to James is I do want to go back to that fashion thing. Cause you talked about tech, talk about entrepreneurship. You're in crypto. Now you're in web three in the middle. You intersplice this fashion thing, which it's like one of these things is not like the other. And so I'm curious and then I'll drop down to listener and let James take it over. How fashion, why fashion, what jumped in about fashion to you besides the fact that you're a fashionable guy? <laughs> um, yeah, no, thanks for the question. So, I think with fashion is ultimately it's self-expression and, you know, now, you know, being in marketing now for like 20, you know, 20 plus years now is, you know, I see the world a little bit differently, but, um, you know, in terms of fashion is like, we're in a way we're like walking billboards and we don't get paid for this. Right. It's like, we actually spend a lot of money. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty basic. I'm like, um, unique low type type guy now, but, um, you know, we're, we're walking billboards. We're not getting paid. But even I had a business idea of like, okay, we're like walking billboards. We should get paid to like rock stuff, right? Um, you know, someone, someone will do it. But um, but yeah, so I, I think that's kind of the ultimate of like why I love fashion was a self-expression, self you know, representing art on your body um, and just kind of being comfortable with yourself. Uh, I think it also stems from... You know, my mom, she she actually started one of the largest uh, embroidery shops in L.A. Um, this was probably like 35 plus years ago. Um, and, you know, 
shit happened. But, um, but you know, at that time, you know, I was like super small, maybe like five years old and I'll just walk in and there was just like embroidery, like machines everywhere. Like, I don't know, like hundreds of these. And I remember, you know, they were like sewing in like Lacoste and they had like these big orders and I was like, Oh, that, that's really cool. And like fast forward, I think some of that DNA like stuck with me. Uh, but now I think like, kind of that intersection was you know i wanted to help creators monetize through merchandising and that kind of tool was merch um, and apparel and things like that so, so so it's safe to say that it's it's been in your blood right i mean that that makes sense but but you actually worked for at least part-time if i remember correctly seattle fashion week for for a minute did you not oh wow yeah oh wow that's uh og throwback yeah so like yeah, after after college, I think this was two thousand nine. Um, yeah, it became the so yeah one one summer. You know, I started off doing like marketing partnerships, and then eventually became kind of a co. Uh, yeah, my last name. Uh, you know, executive director. So did that for a few years, and you know, it, it was great because like Seattle, that, like Seattle never had, like Seattle was was you know a, a city of music and. And had like this underground art culture, but uh, fashion was was not really promoted heavily. Um, so we were kind of trying to push that. Yeah, I mean, look, and and I think one of the things that that struck me about you when we first met, and this is going back, um, God, it's been over a year now, uh, was that you were into fashion to to a very high degree, and I that always stuck out to me um, because at that time in the space. It was it was somewhat binary, right? I didn't meet a whole lot of folks that really had a massive affinity um, to fashion and apparel. So when I met you, um, I do remember that sticking out. And we had, I think it was in our first conversation. I kind of knew I'm like, this this is someone that I want to align myself with. You, you know, you talked about the ultimate connector um, earlier on, and I I just felt like you were someone that had done so much. People don't realize that. I mean, at one point you worked for Google. You're a contributor at Forbes. You had several of your own companies. Um, then you founded, uh, when you got into Web3, you founded Alpha Girl, right? Um, and I do want to get into Web3 now and, and ask you a couple questions because fast forward to today, right? You are working with ZTX. And I don't know if a whole lot of folks out there um, know not only ZTX, but Zepetto. So for those of us that don't know, can you tell us first off what Zepetto is? Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for, yeah, thanks for the layup here. Um, <laughs> so Zepetto, if you, okay, so Zepetto, if you guys aren't familiar, is Asia's largest metaverse. So last month, we just crossed 400 million users. Um, it's, it's iOS-based, right? iOS and Android. And we actually do 3 million transactions daily um, on, on, on virtual goods, right? So these digital goods is all digital apparel um so i won't go on that tangent i'll, I'll, I'll come back to that um so the you know zapato stemmed from an avatar so people can go in create their their virtual sale self um they could equip uh you know different you know apparel pieces like a, a shirt or a hat or or whatnot and you can also purchase additional wearables. Um, so I'm like super bullish on wearables. Um, but the best way to really think about Zepetto is it's like a TikTok meets Roblox. So you have your avatar, there's a social aspect of it, um, and then there's the gaming as aspect of it. So with Web 2, you have social and gaming. And I think with Web 3, it's really like social gaming and finance, um, which I think will be a game changer. Um, so that's, yeah, that, that, that's Zepetto. We've done like, we've worked with like 200 plus brands. Um, we're really excited to, to, to do so. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys even worked with Ralph Lauren, right? I mean, you've got some massive, yeah. massive brands uh, on Zepetto. I've actually known about Zepetto for quite some time. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of people out there that, that don't know about it yet, but will. Um, because you're, it's, it's a force in the industry. And um you know, I, I think that's what led you right into ZTX. And can you talk about ZTX for a minute, how that kind of differs or, or what arm of uh, Zepetto that actually is? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, ZTX is our kind of Web3 strategy slash initiative. So we've learned a lot 
from from Zepetto, the the Web two arm. And what we wanted to do was really understand and learn from Zepetto, and 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 integrate the Web three technologies, right? Like that that goes from like digital ownership to to finance, you know, to be able to like trade these assets, um, to really have an emphasis on community building. Um, so I think th- that's kind of like the high level of with with Web two is there's not that much ownership, but with Web three, it's like okay, if we're transacting three million transactions daily, like how can we utilize like the blockchain um, and tokens and things like that to give that back to to the creators. Um, and, and the nice thing is that Pedo is really driven. I think ninety, I think over ninety percent is UGC. So that's kind of what we're focusing on too with the CTX is like, how can we build out these creator tools for people to create wearables, to create a marketplace, um, you know, trade with, with, with people and then, you know, build out what we call uh, our, our game um, in about Q3, Q4. So that's going to kind of encompass everything together. And with that, so what would you say the main focus is in terms of, of the brand for the future within Web3? I mean, I know you, you're doing collaborations um, and we'll get to that in a second in terms of like, uh, you mentioned Frank earlier, but I know you did a collaboration with them that we can get into, but what would you say the main focus is for ZTX within the space um, for the future? Yeah. And I think the future will, will work itself out. You know, I, I fully believe, I think, I think it's always good to have the vision and the goals, but it's about like what you do today. And I think right now our main focus is, you know, how do we build the best community? How do we, how do we build and kind of connect with existing culture? Like, I think culture is like one of the hardest things to develop for any brand, especially like stepping into Web3, because you can't really like buy culture, right? Um, I mean, maybe you can, but, <laughs> but it's like short term. Uh, but it's like, okay, how do we immerse ourselves? How do we build, you know, trust in the ecosystem? And how do we deliver uh, we have this saying like internally, uh, we call it like proof of ship, right? Because there's a lot of projects that promise on a roadmap saying, hey, like we'll do X, Y, Z. But like for us, it's like, okay, let's just like deliver something before we even mint, uh, which is our avatar builder. So if you go to uh, ZTX.io, we shipped our first like beta avatar builder. We can go in and create a free like avatar. Um, and then that you'll be able to, kind of integrate throughout our, our whole like ecosystem like we're building out a game or like mini games um and then we'll do like wearables and then eventually um, the open world so so is it is it safe to say and i'm just guessing i really don't know um would one of your strategies be to align with brands within the space to create wearables for these avatars i mean i, I know you do that now in zepetto and with the whole web 2 um branding i'm just curious yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i think for us is uh, yeah, I think that's kind of like low hanging fruit for us is, you know, we're able to, in a way, leverage and utilize kind of our web two properties. So we don't have to like rebuild everything, which is nice. Um, and then now it's about, you know, how do we, you know, team up with kind of the, the cultural brands, you know, in the space right now, um, whether it be like the D gods or the youths or the doodles or, um, you know, the sappy seals or, or whatnot, um, and then do kind of these wearables. And, you know, like we're still kind of playing around with different mechanics, but it could be potentially, um, say you take, uh, let's see, like, okay, let's take like Sappy Seals. So say you own a ZTX Genesis Home NFT and you own a Sappy Seals NFT. Well, because you own both of those, that could unlock like unique and special wearables that you can, um, you know, you can, I guess, equip with Avatar Builder and then utilize that in the game. So, you know, like we, we, we have the connections to Web 2, but again, like with Web 3, like, no, like, I feel like, oh, we teamed up with like Nike. That's great. But again, that's not like culturally driven. And I think we have to like, you know, go, go step by step here. Well, and let's talk about that for a minute. So in, in terms of culture, I mean, you couldn't have aligned with one of the more culturally relevant brands in the space right now with, with D-Gods and, and Frank and what they're doing there. Uh, first off, how, how did that come about? I mean, is it was that something where, you know, ZTX reached out to them? Was it was it somewhere that, you know, everybody met and kind of kicked the idea around? How did something like that come about? Yeah, I mean, I think, 
you you always got to think uh, start small. So for us, is we hosted a a party in L.A. Um, let's see, uh, it was like in the Hollywood Hills, and we invited about like two hundred people, and we had a pretty nice dinner there. Um, but you know, kind of the inception was just just conversation and just relationship because uh, there's there's thousands of brands out there and you know like dust is doing incredible work right now um, and they could work with any brand but for us it's like okay how can we build how can we align ourselves with the long-term vision um, where it complements each other so for us it's like we're building and pursuing kind of this open metaverse world um, and then for dust you know they they they're building, they're, they're an incredible software company, but they also don't want to build everything themselves, right? So I think there was like alignment, like relationship, um, and then just kind of a, like the foresight to, to like succeed together. So, so how did New York like unfold in terms of, um, was it a week-long thing or was it a, a one, one, one night deal? Talk to me about New York and how that all went down. Yeah, 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 great question. I mean, with yeah, so we look at partnerships on a long-term scale. So um, even with our kind of integration with with uh, the D Gods Party and, and Dust Labs, is this is just like one little piece of the big picture. Um, so you know, people that are following our journey, it's like you know, this is just kind of the beginning, um, which is which is exciting. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we had some like you know brand integration in there, but you know, the spotlight here wasn't really about us. It's really about D gods doing really cool stuff. And then for us, it's like, okay, how do we like be part of like one piece of it? Um, and again, it, I think it really just shows kind of our commitment um, to like what they're building at the same time. So, so you're, you're saying this is going to be an ongoing thing and, and New York was literally the beginning of that. Is there any, any alpha that you can share in terms of what's up next for that relationship and kind of what might holders uh, expect on either side? Yeah, yeah. I think for us is, you know, what we're building after. So we just launched Avatar Builder Beta. We're doing our Genesis Mint in a couple of weeks here. Uh, I think it's May 4th. And then uh, and then we'll be getting into the wearables. So the team has been, uh, you know, designing, building, coding um, the, the wearables. So that's kind of our next uh, kind of thing that we're looking at is... A is like the virtual wearables, but also it's like, how do we, like, is there an opportunity to tie that back into physical wearables? That was actually my next question. That's why I laughed. Um, so, okay. So physical is on the table. That, that's really interesting. Um, are there any other collaborations that you guys have planned for the year? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm that kind of individual that likes to read between the lines. I see you posting about a lot of different things and I, I don't know if that is preemptive, if that is just um, coincidence or if you have some of these lined up that you're going to announce soon and, and can you announce anything at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the things that I learned um, just, just like in being in startups in general is setting the, the right expectations. Um, and it's really easy to get caught up in the emotions or the hype and, uh, what happens naturally is, is a lot of like founders and teams will kind of spill the beans too fast. Um, and then it, the expectation is very high, but the delivery is very low. Um, so I think we want to make sure that we don't want to announce something that's not, um, that's not going to come to fruition, if that makes sense. So we want to make sure that we're, we're taking the right steps. We have everything baked out and then like make an announcement. Um, but yeah, we are constantly adding new partners um yeah which which is very exciting i think for us it's like okay how do we how do we best kind of uh like push out the news in a in, in a like a timely cadence without without a like losing interest of the followers but also getting them excited yeah and i think look i i, I obviously don't want to talk about things that you can't um so i was just questioning on, on if anything was uh, available at this moment so I, I totally get that you you are an individual of, of high character um so i i know that you wouldn't drop anything that couldn't be dropped um and i know you in terms of how you look at roadmaps so to hear you say that definitely resonates um things and conversations that we've had you know i did want to talk a little bit about new york again i know steve kind of 
walk through some of that. But aside from your work there, did you go to the actual conference? Uh, no, I, I personally did not. Um, I think it's a balance. I wouldn't say there's no value to conferences. I think there is value at conferences for, you know, like I think there is like educate, like an education factor there where, you know, you're able to, you know, listen to a multitude of speakers and kind of get the intel. Um, you could do that on Twitter, but sometimes Twitter, you don't get the, the, the caliber I'd say of, of, of knowledge. Um, it's more, it's a different type of culture building, I'd say. Um, so yeah, I, I did not, uh, but generally like how I kind of set up my schedule is I double down on like relationship building and that usually happens during like lunch through like maybe like 3 a.m. And then, you know, I'll just sleep in a little bit and then, you know, have like brunch and then do it again. So, you know, if you, yeah, it, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the thing. I think like if you're new to the space, I think there is some value to kind of going to the, uh, well, especially if you're, yeah, I guess if you're new to like Web3, you can learn a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, look, that's, that's kind of why I asked you is that I was yeah. just curious on your take on that. Here's my thing on, on this. Um, and I, I want to get your take. I went last year um, and I was vastly disappointed in the way that that was laid out. So that's why I was hoping that um, I know Steve had gone and I'd gotten some feedback there that, that maybe you had peeked inside there to, to give some feedback, but you kind of just generally gave it in terms of like where the value sits, right? Um, is it in the interactions and the events outside of that, or is it on the conference floor? I'm of the mindset that if someone were to do it right, the value could be inside the conference. I just feel like we're not seeing that. And I didn't know if you had any ways that you thought that a conference could get it right. I mean, I know VCon, from what I've heard, gets it right. Um, how do people take that and replicate mm. that? Um, and if you could elaborate a little more on the value side, um, I'd love that. Yeah, I, I think it really depends on what your goals are at the same time. Like, you know, I'm a firm believer that like deals and relationships aren't, I mean, they can't, you know, th there's always like kind of both sides to the coin here. Um, but for me personally, over, over my years of like attending conferences and whatnot is like the relationships happen, like in the bathroom, you know, at the bar, you know, you're walking home or, or whatnot. So I think when, if, if your goal is to really like build those like strong relationships, like the caliber of those relationships happen like over three drinks at the bar, unfortunately, or it could be coffee, right? If you don't drink, um, it's not really like sitting at a conference and just like listening to, to, you know, a six hour, you know, speaker, you know, talk like, but again, that, that's a different goal, right? If your goal is to really like learn and educate yourself and connect with, um, you know, maybe you want to connect with like the speakers and, 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 and do that. I could see value there. Um, but personally, yeah, yeah. It just comes down to your goals, right? Like for me, it's like, I've been to the space, you know, I don't know everything, um, you know, I think you can learn a lot from Twitter at the same time. So, yeah, but what you're saying is really critically important for people to kind of take away. And, and I, I'm look last year, um, one of my favorite moments uh, was when CC and I went and met you and, and we sat and had sushi. And I remember we even talked uh, during that time and we both kind of agreed, you know, there was more value probably in that hour and whatever it was. Um, time that we had together than, than some of the other interactions that we had, um, especially at the conference. The conference was a total shit show. And even though I heard it was better this year, um, I just still think that there's there's so much there to improve. And yeah, it definitely solely really matters what your purpose is there. Um, but I do appreciate that feedback. And, and I'm always curious kind of where people's thought process is there and then my other question is so there are a ton of other conferences left there's consensus um there's vcon uh, of course there's miami again um actually multiple miamis um coming up and um things like ape fest and whatnot where where is your next stop where is etx's next stops um is there anything you can talk about there yeah yeah um yeah okay i'm gonna hit up on two things and then i'll answer your, your question there so if you look at like azuki for example Suzuki, I think a couple of days ago, announced that they're hosting a party at Hakkasan in Las Vegas. So they they didn't do the whole conference thing, right? Because they don't believe that it requires a conference to get people together. 
which I thought was like pretty, like pretty cool. Um, but again, it's like everybody has different goals for kind of Azuki as a project, as a company. They want a service to their holders. Um, so I thought that was pretty brilliant. So I, like, I it, actually it, agree. I, I'm, I wonder how much more of that we see because think about this for a second. I know it sounds kind of tough, perhaps. However, if you spend money to go to, to a place, a destination, and you get 100% time with the community there, isn't that in theory, a lot more valuable than, than perhaps doing things at these conferences for some of these, especially for some of the bigger brands. I mean, that's what ApeFest is doing. Um, so I'm just curious in your thoughts there because I, I think it's actually brilliant. Yeah, I definitely think there'll be more of this. I think what's nice when it's kind of going wide versus like deep, like a spear. Um, you know, when, when you're at like a, like a consensus or like an NFT NYC, you're able to kind of create a, it's like a splash effect. You can get a lot of people to like see your brand and whatnot. But, you know, in terms of, is it effective? Like, I don't know. I, I think, again, it kind of goes back to the goals, right? I think for Azuki is they're trying to just service their holders and guests and just create the sickest, like baddest experience and then have that word of mouth go externally. I think with NFT NYC is unfortunately, um, you know, they, they bring a ton of great caliber speakers. However, I think the cultural tie-in with projects is like super like bifurcated. Like in a way, I think there needs to be more like immersion within it for it to be successful versus like it, now it's like kind of a cultural thing. And it's like, OK, I fly in and I don't attend the conference and I just go to the events. Right. So if that's like implanting people's heads, like that's the brand. And I think that's different than say what like Gary V is doing because what Gary V is like, yeah, you get, you know, a, you can hear Gary speak, which is like sick. And then you get to meet like dope people. Um, and he's like, he's creating an experience within it. Um, so yeah, events are hard, right? Events are hard. They're big. They cost a lot of money. Um, you just got to learn faster. It's, it's going to so, fizzle so away. Where are you off to next? Like, what's the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. person? Um, man, I wanted to go to Vegas, but uh, <laughs> I've been flying a lot. Um, I think for us, will be Korea, Korean, Korea Blockchain Week. I think it's in September. So we'll be we'll be hosting a party there. Um, like we we want to create like the baddest party there. Just uh, that's kind of our, our home turf as well. So. That's that's incredible. That's going to be amazing. Um, the fact that you you know your company is global at this point and obviously focused in Asia, so I'm sure there's going to be quite a few trips that you get to take there. Um, having spent a lot of time there, I can tell you, uh, as I'm sure you know, that's that's absolutely um, an incredible experience. No matter where you really go there. Um, just a couple more questions. We're getting to the bottom of the hour here, and I know you you powered through this today. You were sick, and first off sincerest appreciation um to you for taking the time um i, I sin sincerely i really appreciate that two more questions um i've always i'm always curious about this with people in the space is there anybody out there in the space big or small um that you kind of fan out on that you haven't met with that you look forward to connecting with at these future conferences oh wow yeah i mean i yeah i know this kind of like a very broad answer but man like i've connected with so many people on twitter that i wish there was enough time to physically just meet everybody and that goes from you know like you don't need to be a project founder i think it's like everybody i've met on twitter i'd love to like meet them because you know when i was in nft nyc um well new york i didn't attend the, the conference but when i was in new york you know i was able to meet a lot of people that i connected on twitter and that was just like such a good feeling. Um, it was like meeting a pen pal that you haven't, like you've been writing for like 10 years and you're like, oh wow, like you're, you're a real person. So I thought that was a cool experience. I mean, in terms of projects, um, I mean, I don't, I don't really like fanboy a lot anymore. Um, I, I really think it's like, you know, if, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was really cool. Like, I've always wanted to meet Frank. Um, I think Frank is doing cool stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just I always, like, look up to people who are, like, pushing the limits, that aren't afraid to fail, um, and that are 
in a way they 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 can like re- they can like own up to to that as well where um it's like yeah it's it's okay to fail um which i which i appreciate yeah yeah i mean i, I think for I, I think that's fair enough and and i i i'm the same like i want to meet people that are pushing the boundaries i, I thought it would have been cool um to meet people i know some people did and i thought that that was awesome um i think it's really cool of him to you know interact with the community in the way that he did um so anybody that's kind of pushing the boundaries um I agree that that would be nice. And then obviously everybody that I've made connections with over the past few years um, within this space that I haven't met IRL, that's, that's definitely a goal. My final question to you uh, before we go here is where do you see the space? Like legitimately when you think about the space, um, where do you see it in the next five to 10 years? Like in a perfect world, in your mind, or maybe not in a perfect world and just in Charles's mind in reality, like where are we? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I think we're early. I see us very similar to kind of when the app, like the app store, like launched. I think people who are early to like, you know, these were mostly like developers, but, you know, people that created apps didn't really matter what it was. People, you know, launched apps, you know, put some marketing behind it, um, created a community, users, whatnot. And they ended up becoming successful. Um, you know, these are startups, right? I think over 98% will go to zero, unfortunately. Um, but it will be the people that it's okay to go to zero. Like you tried just, you know, don't, don't scam people, but it's like, it's okay to like start again. Right. I think the most successful startup founders have failed. Um, and it's okay. Right. I think, I think it's okay to just keep pushing, keep learning. Um, but again, it's like setting the right expectations, which is like critical, especially in a very like financial driven space here. Um, so that's like one um, that we're early. I think two is, you know, blockchain, Web3, these are all buzzwords. And I think technology will will evolve. For example, when you're going, you know, whether you're on like, uh, like Amazon.com or if you're on whatever website, um, you don't look at like, oh, shit, you know, is this written in like PHP? Like, like people don't know, like people don't care, right? At the end of the day, it's like people care about kind of the end user experience. And I think with Web3 and blockchain, all this is eventually this will all just be part of the tech. Like people won't ask what it is. Um, like when I, when I went to Vegas last year, you know, airlines have already integrated blockchain, you know, in their ticketing and everything. So the technology is there. I think we're just in an interesting space and time right now where uh, from the user standpoint, we're very gravitated towards NFTs because that's very visual, right? And it's easy to kind of connect. But ultimately, I think like the space is bigger than PFPs. PFPs are just like one sliver of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you ask me, like, what, what, what do I think about the future of like PFPs? I like, guess that's a different question. But I think ultimately... You know, this is like a technology. It'll evolve. More brands will get into it. They'll figure out more ways to um, create value for the end user, whether it's, you know, ticketing, whether it's like airlines, whether it's like security, whether it's like digital driver's licenses. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of use cases. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, uh, look, we, we obviously, we've had this conversation before and we, we definitely agree um, yeah, of course, we're still early. And, and when we get to the point to where people don't know that they're using the technology, that's when you're no longer early, right? That's when there's adoption. Um, and I, I think that that's where I see the space in the next five to 10 for sure. Uh, we agree on on the PFP and the technology, right? The technology is the underlying value. The PFP is, a, a for me, is, is an evolution, is a, a chapter in the journey of that. Um, whether or not it stays in its same form, that'll be... Um, you know, up to probably interpretation. And I've heard people say either way, I think it turns into avatars and things like that, obviously. And, and that's probably more how we interact, but um, that's a little ways off. But look, um, first and foremost, once again, I've really appreciated your time. Um, you know, you could have uh, very easily taken the sick route and you, you decided to tough through. So massive appreciation um, to you for that, as well as everyone else um, for joining us today. Um, this was another episode of Inside the Clubhouse. Um, this was Mr. Charles Coe, um, another incredible 
uh, individual within the community, not just in Clubhouse, but in, in the entire Web3 community. Um, and I, I feel like everyone that, that uh, is here and still here um, are incredible individuals and their stories need to be told. So um, my goal is to help everyone tell it. Um, it was hosted initially by NFT Bark Steve, as you all know him. Um, and then he handed it off to me. But I just wanted to thank everyone for joining us today. I appreciate your time. You could have taken that hour and done anything with it, but instead you decided to hang out with us and learn more about uh, individuals within the community. So until next time, same place, uh, same time next week. Um, I hope everybody enjoys their week, enjoys their weekend. If we uh, happen to see you next uh, week also uh, at Consensus, that would be awesome. Feel free to reach out. We will be there. I will be there. Uh, and I want to make as many connections as possible and make up for some lost time. So um, take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day uh, and the rest of your week. Thanks, guys. Take care, Charles. Take your time.